Well, we have something very special today. Um, I'm going to actually interview someone. So would you welcome Craig Watson to the platform? Thanks, Craig. Take a seat. And uh, gee, we're a, gee, they've set us a long way apart. That's okay. So we're going we're gonna to talk to everyone today. But um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really continuously blessed when I talk to someone about their redemptive journey. You know, you talk to someone, it's so easy to meet people at face value and you don't know what the backstory is. And then when you talk about the backstory, um, you recognise that God has just done something really, really big in their life to get them to this point. And I think it encourages us, you know, when we talk about these stories of redemption, all of us, I hope, are believing for someone in our own world you know, believing someone that, that will encounter Christ and their life will be changed for the better. And I, I always think that when we talk about testimonies, it really builds faith for us to believe for those that we love, those that we're reaching out to, whether they're workmates or family or whatever that case might be. So um, there, I know there's a lot of fascinating stories here. I find Craig's story, I find your story really fascinating, mate, when we got to know each other a little bit. Craig is the operations manager at Teen Challenge and we really, really appreciate our partnership with Teen Challenge. Love what you guys do and, uh, and seeing God work in, in the lives of the, of the students out there and the, the people that you work with. So this is a picture of Craig and his beautiful family. Of course, Laura and the two girls, Ava, Ava and Amelia. Um, and they're, they're all part of the church, part of the family here at New Hope. What a beautiful family you've got, yeah, Craig. Hey. There's something God's done straight away. Made the kids look like your wife. Yes. That's that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you, God, for that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, beautiful family. And um, recently I sort of sat with Craig at the urging of some of our men. We had a a men's sort of impromptu retreat and several of the life groups went up and they had a big camp out and they, you know, boys will be boys. They did all that stuff. And Craig shared his testimony Around the uh, around the fire pit one night, and uh, and a lot of the guys were really really moved by it, and said to me, "You really need to talk to Craig and see if he can't share his testimony in church." So that's what we're sort of doing right now this morning. So thanks, Craig. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. And no um, really, well, let's start at the start, mate. After talking to you last week, like you uh, you had, I guess, a less than perfect start to life. Do you want to start there? Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Firstly, just want to thank you for the opportunity to share. Um, so I was born in Brisbane, north of Brisbane, um, to a teenage mum and uh, was named Adrian Gadsby. So that's my, my name at birth and uh, my mum at the time was 16, um, so obviously very young and I guess had to make a decision of whether she would keep me or whether she would adopt me. Um, and I'm glad she didn't do the alternative because I wouldn't be here today talking to you. Right. Um, so my birth mother made the decision to adopt me um, and so I was placed in a, in a foster home uh, for a short period of time until my adoptive mum and dad um, brought me into their home and um, was raised in a suburb called Brighton in Brisbane um, my mum and dad were um, godly parents, so I was brought up in a, brought up in a, in a Christian home from a, from a young age. But um, 
And, and to their credit, they, they let me know very early on that I was adopted. And so I remember, you know, mum, she'd read me books to try and help me to understand that. Mm. Um, but just really kind of had a lot of questions, really struggled with rejection type issues. You know, why didn't mm. my mum want me? Mm. Um, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, and I guess that's something, yeah, just constantly battled with yeah. as a young person. And, and I guess obviously, I, I mean, I've spoken to a few people like that and my own wife, she shares a very similar testimony to you, 16-year-old mum and, and adoption. And it, it really, uh, you know, unless... And I've known... I mean, I've been married to Sue for 32 years mm-hmm. and I worked out maybe after the first 10 that I would never really fully comprehend what that actually means unless mm-hmm. you've been through it. But the... The, uh, the upheaval with identity mm-hmm. and, and rejection, those kind of things are big things to process. So that's obviously part of your early story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I was loved, but I kind of always felt, I don't know, like the, the second best option. You know, obviously my adoptive parents, it was their heart to have their own child and they couldn't because yeah. of various reasons. So I kind of felt you know, second best. Um, you know, I shared this with Chris when we met that he may understand from this perspective, Chris really wants a Monaro, but he's had to settle for a Tirana. <laughs> Same kind of principle. <laughs> You've got me confused with Ambrose Nicholson. That's, that's Ambrose Nicholson. <laughs> um, and look, you know, it, it pops up a lot in life. You know, you're at the doctor and they ask about your you know, your medical history, and you just can't answer those questions because mm. you kind of have no idea. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's just something that, you know, I had to face with, just that, you know, constant feeling of why, rejection, those types of yeah. issues. And, and as we talked last week, like, that kind of led you to, to probably pursuing belonging in the wrong circles, yeah. which is often, you know, is often the case with, with rejection stuff, yeah. the need to identify. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, my, my adoptive dad was, uh, you know, he's a good man, he's, he was a great provider, but we re- really didn't have a, an emotional connection. You know, words like, I love you, I'm proud of you, were kind of very far and few between. Um, so absolutely, I think due to you know, a, a place of feeling, um, you know, rejection and, and wanting to be accepted, you know, I looked externally for that. Um, and unfortunately, um, where I found that was um, men in the neighbourhood that were a little bit older than myself um, and unfortunately were already starting to uh, dabble in drug and crime um, and those types of behaviours. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your sort of early story. Um, the pathway out. Let's talk about the pathway mm, out. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, I started, you know, that drug use journey as a, you know, kind of end of um, primary school type age. Um, and look, you know, in the beginning, you know, there was um, enjoyment in it. You know, it was kind of, you know bit exciting all of that stuff and mm-hmm. I think unfortunately that's why so many kids get caught up in it yeah, to yeah. start with um, but it's where it leads and uh, you know you kind of find yourself like most people do just progressing through 
you know, various drugs to, to try and get that, you know, bigger hit. Keep the high. Keep yeah. the high yeah. and you just can't get it. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, on my 18th birthday, I uh, was introduced to heroin um, by a friend as a birthday present. That was uh, mm-hmm. some friend. Um, mm-hmm. And then that started really a, a four-year journey of um, just hell on earth, Chris, to be mm-hmm. honest, for me. Um, there's nothing glamorous about that lifestyle. Um, you know, it's a lifestyle of um, paranoia, violence, um, the people in that world, you know, are, are very nasty people. Mm. Um, and it was just hectic. You know, I guess it's important to understand too that, you know, people don't make the decision as a young person to become a drug addict, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in grade six and the teacher's asking, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, people would <laughs> say doctor, policeman, nurse. I didn't say addicted to heroin, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't think it's anyone's goal. It's just the... Yeah. The, it's just where it takes you, you know, mm. it sucks you right in. Mm. Um, so, look, you know, I, I hated that lifestyle, you know. I really wanted to get out of that lifestyle. And then, Chris, there was a few events that happened in a very uh, short period of time that really got to me, really caused me to think about my life seriously. Um, you know, the first one was for the first time in my life I was at a funeral... And um, it was a a guy that I grew up with all through primary school um, and he overdosed on heroin in the Valley Park. Um, So I was, you know, confronted by death for the first time, just really considering, well, what does all this mean? Um, Secondly, you know, obviously on on heroin, um, it causes you to be drowsy. So I was driving a car and nodded off at the steering wheel crashed the car, the car rolled um, multiple times and it should have killed me. Mm. Um, you know, the fiery the police were just kind of amazed with the fact that I walked away really unharmed. Um, and then the third event was, you know, obviously in that lifestyle you become known to the police. So where I was living, where my parents were living, um, the houses were being raided by the police. And this one particular time, my parents' home was raided with my younger sister, who's also adopted. Um, She was probably 15 at the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the police really treated her, you know, badly, disrespectfully, all of that stuff. It really shook her up. Um, You know, so that impacted me when I found out about that, you know, a couple of days later, um, that I had caused my sister to kind of go through that. How old were you at the time? Uh, I would have been around 20, at that time, yeah. Mm. So that was the first time I reached out for help and um, I sought help through my auntie and um, back then, that would have been um, late 90s, there was this uh, uh, medical drug called naltrexone and it was fairly new in the scene but basically what it was is what, it was like a, a rapid medical detox to get people off heroin. Uh, so I went on that trial, was able to, you know, detox from heroin um, and then kind of, uh, you know, got back on with life. Managed to, you know, stay on the straight and narrow uh, for a few months. Um, but I now know, looking back, that I really didn't address any of my underlying issues. Right. 
I just dealt with the surface issue. So, um, so being free of drugs wasn't necessarily the answer? Definitely not. No. I mean, great step, great yeah. step in the right direction. Yeah, that's right, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. And the truth is, you know, it, it's easy to get people off drugs, but it's then the work that has to happen yeah. internally yeah. You know, for people not to want to go to back. To go back. Yeah, because those core issues are why you end up yep. there. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So what, you know, what was the next step then, mate? Like, yeah, so, you know, I, as I said, managed to stay, you know, on the straight and narrow for a few months, but then, you know, really hadn't dealt with any heart stuff. So then found myself back on um, the gear again, and then that continued for another year or 18 months or so. Um, again... You know, I just detested that lifestyle. So, again, reached out to my auntie um, who had done some research into some rehab options. Um, and so she, you know, put all these different options out on the, on the table, um, shared a little bit about each one of them. Um, and as I mentioned, I had grown up in a, in a Christian home, but for me, you know, I just really had, didn't have anything to do with God, never made a decision. Um, and so... You know, I knew because she'd shared with me that Teen Challenge was a Christian one, so we put that right <laughs> over here to the side. Um, so then we looked at some other options. Um, we made some phone calls, and it was at least six months to get into, you know, these other places. And I didn't have six months, Chris. You know, I would have mm, been yeah, yeah. dead uh, or in jail. Um, so reluctantly, you know, uh, made the decision to come to Toowoomba. <laughs> the New Life Centre. That's it, the centre of the universe. Absolutely. I know that now. Back then, <laughs> you know, just really, um, yeah, fearful, you know, afraid. Um, you know, on a, our men, because it takes guts to put your hand up and say, hey, you know, I need some help. Yeah. You know, and the hardest yeah. step often is to do that. Mm. Um, so I was 22, um, jumped on the bus. You know, my, my family weren't willing to drive me because they were concerned I wouldn't get out of the car. Yeah. Um, so they put me on this bus and then rocked up to Toowoomba and was met by a gentleman, Pastor Nick Burns. Pastor Nick, he's been on staff here at yep. points in the past, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I guess, you know, that, then that journey um, just really started, you know, the rest of my life. So I guess probably the the things that impacted me the most was, um, you know, these men were just so accepting, you know, mm -hmm. really genuinely wanted to, um, you know, see myself and the other men in the program move forward mm -hmm. in their life. Um, you know, so I started to, um, I guess, you know, build trust. Um, and it was probably the relationship side of things that really impacted me first. Um, but then obviously our, our program is a Christian-based program, so I was starting to you know, learn about who God is and mm -hmm. how God sees me and, you know, my identity in him, mm -hmm. his grace for me, you know, starting to, to learn scripture. Um, and it was probably, Chris, a few months in, um, you know, I was sitting at a service uh, one night at church um, and this guy at the front, you know, was just sharing about the love of Christ, um, his, you know, plan and purpose for our life, and there was an opportunity to respond, mm. you know, and I was sitting with the other lads and my heart's just racing. And uh, the last thing I wanted to do was stand up and walk out the front. 
Um, but I just, I just had to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I responded to that call, walked out the front, I guess, you know, ma- made a decision that night to follow Jesus. Um, and my life has absolutely changed ever since. It's like from that night, it's like a veil was lifted yeah. off my eyes. Yeah. It was like a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders. It was like I could start to see creation, you know. I still had a heap of residue attached to my life from my experiences. So hence, I, you know, lived at the rehab for three years. Yeah, there you go. Just to kind of, you know, get healing and unpack all that stuff. And sometimes, I mean, if it takes you years to walk into the woods, it sometimes takes you a while to walk back out, eh? Yeah, that's right. And God sort of unravels you. I think if... um, if God did everything he needed to do in your life in one hit, we just probably wouldn't cope with it. Mm, yeah. And God's so gracious that he just sort of slowly unravels us as we can, can cope, which certainly yeah. sounds like a bit of your experience. Uh, there's, there was one just, something that you mentioned before, and I just wouldn't mind drawing back to it. Just as a, it's just a comment. But you've mentioned your auntie a couple of times mm. and reaching out to her, and she was the one that you reached out to. And I remember hearing late night on a Dobson uh, podcast, uh, a lady was talking about the value of aunties and uncles in a family because they they kind of understand the culture of the family or what what the family values, but they don't hold the authority to punish Mm. in a sense. And And it's really important, those family connections. This is just a by the way observation because I see it right here happening mm. for you, that it's really important to hold those family relationships. They can be incredibly value, valuable as parents for your children yeah. when they need to go outside you. Yeah, and as long as the relationship is good and the culture is a bit similar, they're probably going to get the same answers the parent would give. Mm. But there's just a, the kid's going to receive it better because yeah. it's not attached to the authority or the potential punishment. Yeah. I don't know. Is that, that's just absolutely. An observation. Did you, yeah. Was that why? Yeah, it was. You know, my my mum um, and auntie very similar. You know, um, same faith um, in God, um, wise. But you're right. Just that, you know, my auntie wasn't you know the one that had disciplined me over the years and that authority figure. So I just felt. I could, you know, be a little bit more open yeah, yeah. with my auntie. Because by then your relationship with... Um, was not had, great. ...must have been pretty damaged. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was damaged, yeah. Okay, back to um, finding Jesus. Yeah, And awesome. what that did about, I guess, you know, obviously... We've got a baptism photo. Yeah. Actually. So, and that's Nick Burns. That's Nick so Burns. Some yep. of us might remember Nick. It's going back a while. He pastored Crow's Nest for us for a while. Yeah. Did a yep. brilliant job out there. And uh, I wanted him to stay, but... Yep. He felt called to Townsville, so off he went. But, um, gee, you look young there, mate. Still look young now, don't I, Chris? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, so meeting Jesus and identifying with him, how did that begin to work in those core issues that were yeah. driving you towards, you yeah. know, the lifestyle? That you... Well, definitely, you know, just really understanding, you know, my real identity which mm. is in Jesus and mm. really understanding that, um, you know, getting healing in that space, um, you know, had to go on a, a journey of um, forgiving myself, mm. you know, but also seeking forgiveness from others. Yeah. Um, so that was a big, big part of the journey. 
Um, and it was a journey, you know. My, my sister, who I mentioned, you know, she just didn't believe that I'd changed, which mm. is understandable, mm. you know. And mm. it took probably 18 months after that photo before she would start to engage open and yeah. open. Yeah. And now our relationship is amazing. Yeah, um, You know, so that's a testament to what God can do. Um, and, yeah, so I guess, you know, out of that, God really, you know, put on my heart to help other men. Yeah. And that's kind of where the last 20-year journey started. Um, yeah. So I've been out there for that period of time, you know, in various different roles. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just knowing that you don't have to live how we once lived. Yeah. That there is, you know, uh, hope and there is a future. Um, and life with God's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. let's get on it and you know, just start to, to live to our potential. Yeah. Um, and that's what I do. And awesome, I love it. mate. Yeah. Well, mate, you are a testimony in that. I, I remember when um, they were going to put you in. It was like an ex-student will be taking on Teen Challenge. Yeah, big risk. And I, of course, had experience with Teen Challenge way back in yeah. 1988. I was in yeah. King's Cross with Teen Challenge. And uh, I just sort of thought at the time, man, if that works, there wouldn't be a better case scenario yeah. than someone who'd actually walked the journey and, and not only walked that, the dark path, but had actually consistently lived for Christ since and yeah. built a life that is yeah. admirable. And look yeah. at your daughters and your wife and yeah. the, the, the whole family. Yeah. Um, it's re- it really is a testimony of God's grace. Beautiful to hear that about your sister too. Yeah, that absolutely. God can repair yeah. some of those fractures. And there's probably people listening here that, um, you know, you, you can wonder... Um, could God ever heal it? Could God ever restore it or whatever? And obviously surrender is probably at the core. Yeah. Like you would have found yourself totally surrendered in those places. Yeah. And when you talk about even finding identity, I think even though it was a really tough road for you, I've seen some people just bump around church life, never fully really surrender to Christ in a sense, mm. like do the church thing, do the Christian thing but never really find their identity in him and struggle with, struggle with rejection and stuff and self-image for years and years and years and years. And the only cure for it, it's not hearing another good message. Mm. The only cure is to absolutely trust that what the Bible says is true, yeah. that your Father in heaven does accept you just the way you are and yeah. loves you the way you are. Yeah. And that's the way forward. But some people, even in church life, and they're busy in church life and have been for years, but they never get to that point. Mm. So in one sense, mate, tough journey, but, man, it, it's the only way to do the journey, full surrender or not at all. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, talking about your family, you, you, it's interesting what you guys do for fun. Yeah. Um, when I first, <laughs> first started talking to Craig and found out that... Uh, uh, he was into combat sports uh, or martial arts. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'll never forget our first real meeting. So there, there you are lining up for one of your fights. You look pretty cool, mate. <laughs> yeah, those fists look big facing towards the camera. So. <laughs> and, uh, but I remember I was talking to Craig and I thought, gee, he's pretty vague, this guy. Like, you know, we're just talking and I was asking him questions about what he did and he just seemed really not really with it. And then about 15 minutes into the conversation... 
he realised he was sounding a bit vague and he said, look, I've got to apologise, but I like fought in a national title like two days ago and got knocked out twice. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I'm, I'm still trying to recover. That's and not a like, great promotion for no, combat no, sports, not, is it? <laughs> it's not a great promotion, but it was like, but full credit, you turned up for coffee, yep. turned up to come and talk to his pastor and... Um, and, uh, but it made sense then. You'd been knocked out. So tell yeah. us a bit about combat sports and how you ended up there. Oh, look, um, <laughs> you know, as a, as a young fella, you know, I did, I did do martial arts. I've always kind of had an interest in it. But then obviously life took a different direction. Um, and then it's just through a neighbour, mid-30s, you know, said, hey, we're, we're training, you know, come and check it out. So I went along and, um, yeah, just really enjoyed, you know, the fitness side yeah. of things. Um, you know, never really planned to, you know, get in the, the ring, um, but it just kind of evolved. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, since then, obviously, Laura and our girls, you know, do it with us. And yeah. it's just a great, um, great outlet. You know, it's healthy, um, good exercise. <laughs> I, I love it. I love you put the, the, the emphasis on the discipline, like you train in this way. Some of you might be horrified. Don't be. Don't <laughs> be. Um, I think it actually must build an incredible bridge for you to reach out to the people you're reaching out to. Because yeah, you're generally yeah. reaching out to people who've come from a fairly wild side of life. Yeah. So it probably gives you a bit of... A bit of cred, especially if they, you know, they know that you can sort them out if you really, really need to. Not that you would. No. Um, but um, I love the emphasis on the fitness and fun and community. It's all of those things. Yeah. And here, of course, is Craig, you know, touching gloves. They're about to... We're not going to talk about what happens next. It's just about the fitness, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate, I hung you out to dry there, yeah. didn't I? <laughs> Um, so that's, uh, that's Craig in a fight, and I've lost my notes. Here we go. I'm back. So some of the things you've learnt, mate, obviously, as we talked and certainly what you, what you shared with the men, there are lots of things you've even learnt just from being involved in that sport. Absolutely. That have, you know, undergirded your thinking yep. for the Christian journey. So yeah, could you yeah. just share sure. a bit of that with us? Yeah, a few, yeah. Uh, few principles. Uh, the first thing that you need to... Um, decide on in the fight game is what your walkout song's going to be. Um, <laughs> and that's not an easy thing to do. It took me ages. Um, and this is not a spiritual song, but my walkout song is Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. Um, but from a, a Christian walk perspective, you know, do you have a Christian song? Wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know, and for me, it's an oldie, Chris, and it's Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Yeah, well, and that photo, yeah. you know, as I was being baptised, that was the song, song. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And ever since, you know, that song has wow. just really impacted my world wow. ever since, you know. Wow. So maybe get a, you know, spiritual walkout song. Don't know. Um, it could be a good thing. That's incredible. I still use that song in my personal devotion time okay. just because it's very yeah. easy to remember on the guitar. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the, the lyrics, like, it's a beautiful... Okay, who knows Jesus, lover of my soul? Who's ever heard that? It's a fantastic old yeah, song, Craig. Absolutely. So that's your, that's your walk that's out it. into life song. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great thought. Um, uh, another principle is, um, you know, and that's the photo there. So... In the fight game, you have your corner, you know, I guess men or women, you know, that have been on the, the fight journey with you, you know, who get into the ring with you um, and, you know, encourage you, uh, tell you the truth, um, you know, wipe sweat off you, ice your back, um, you know, all that type of stuff. 
Um, so who you choose for your corner in the fight game is very important. You know, you, you mm. want people that mm. have a genuine, you know, interest and care for you. Mm. But how more important in life is to have a corner of men or women, you know, that mm. Mm. have your best interests, you know, that are willing to journey with you, yeah. Yeah. willing to pray with you, you know, willing to at times tell you what you don't want to hear. Yeah. You know, the yeah. truth. Yeah. Um, you know, just like in the fight game, you know, I've had losses and wins and, as Chris, you know, mentioned before, I'd been knocked out. Um, and those men have been there through the highs and the lows. Yeah. Just like yeah. in life, you know, we, we have knockdowns. We have tough times. Um, so I guess that's a, a question, you know, in a sense, you know, who, who is in your corner? Great. Who's in your corner, you know, that, that you trust, that you know, really has your best interests at heart that are doing this spiritual journey with you. Yeah. Um, so, so important. I, I love what you said then about, you know, people who are prepared to be honest with you too. Mm. So it's not all just pump up and encouragement, but no. there's coaching in it, there's Absolutely. challenge in it. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I wonder, you know, like post-COVID season, you know, a lot of people, I think, have asked, what's the value of church and why would I go? Why would I attend? I can be a Christian. I don't have to go to church. They're the kind of things. Yeah. You know, when, when the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake assembling yourself together, yeah. it's actually the support, the accountability, the encouragement. They're the underlying factors. Um, and it's, I think it's really up to us to build that. To, to get people around us. Yeah. It's, the opportunity's there, but whether we choose... I was talking yeah. to someone just yesterday. It was like, we're probably not as connected as we could be, but that's probably mm. our issue. Yeah, absolutely. Holding back. And so great encouragement there to, to make sure you've got people in your world that are in your corner. And I think, you know, practically in, in our church context is life group. Yeah. You know, for me, yeah. it's just been incredible... Shout out to the digging dudes, you know. Yeah, the digging dudes. My, yeah. my corner of spiritual men is growing, Chris. Yeah, You yeah. know, as I get to know these guys, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and there's some good lads in that group, yeah, you know, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the last principle, um, you know, in the fight game, we talk about being uh, fight fit. And, you know, so by the time the photo's gone, but by the time you're there walking out with your corner... Hopefully, you're at the pinnacle of fitness. So you've done a, a fight camp, you know, it might be eight weeks of just, you know, dedicating yourself to good eating, training hard, all of that stuff. Laura hates those because I check out a bit, you know, <laughs> which is um, just part of it. But, um, you know, that's just part of the journey. But, but in, in life and in our spiritual journey, you know, we need to be life fit. And for me, you know, it's just three practical things. It's, it's you know, acknowledging that we're an emotional being, mm. we're a physical being, and we're a spiritual being. You know, so being very intentional in those three areas mm. of our life so that just as we're ready to fight, we're positioned the best we can be for the fight in life, which is so much more important than that. Mm. We're positioned for when life throws things at us, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because you're a Christian doesn't mean life's going to be easy. No, you know, there's stuff that Laura and I have had to journey through. Um, but because we're intentional in those areas, I believe we're so much better positioned mm. as well as our corner to walk through that stuff. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Great thoughts. That's just really practical. That's just how to do the journey, folks. 
Um, I'm going to get Craig to pray for us in a moment. And um, uh, just before he does, like, I, I, I just want to stop again for a moment on just the redemptive aspect of just what Jesus can do in a heart. And, uh, you know, for lots of people, their experience is probably similar to yours, Craig, in the sense maybe not they, they didn't get involved in the things you did. But often we have to come to an end of ourselves. Often we have to hit a, a, a T-junction in life or run into a brick wall or, or the bottom falls out, however you want to describe it. It's sad that that's the case. Often it's the only thing that wakes us up to necessary change. But um, uh, I'd like to get you to pray for us in a moment. I'm going to read a scripture first. Get Craig, Craig to just pray for us because he's, he has touched some deep areas that that often affect us in ways that we sometimes are not even conscious till we hear someone talk about it. Stuff like acceptance, stuff like identity, stuff like rejection. So I'm going to get you to pray for us. Um, and then possibly, you know, if there's anyone here, uh, whether it's online or in the room, that just feels they want the opportunity to connect their life to the life of Jesus the way that you did, they might be looking for transformational change, God to come into their life to start filling in some of the holes in their heart, then uh, we'll give them the opportunity as well. I just want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. And I intentionally put the scripture at the end of this because often, you know, we, we throw a scripture out and then we talk about it. Whereas right here, we've talked about this scripture at work in someone's life. You've seen the testimony and now I'll read the scripture. And the Apostle Paul writes, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. I think it's a really apt scripture for your life, Craig. So... Let's thank Craig first and then he's going to pray for us. Cool. And uh, would you pray for us? Awesome. Yeah, thank you, God. Lord God, I just thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I thank you that in you we are a new creation. God, the old has gone and the new has come. Lord, I thank you that you heal broken hearts. I thank you that you restore families. I thank you, God, that you restore health. And Lord, um, I am so thankful for what you've done in my life. I'm so thankful for what you've done in my family's life. You're an awesome God. I love you, God. I honour you, God. Thank you, God. And Lord, I, I would like to pray, you know, for those that, that are here today. Um, and Lord, as our heads are bowed, Lord, I just pray that if you have spoken to someone's heart, God, around identity issues, around, you know, acceptance, um, rejection issues, God, that you'd really help them to find healing in their lives, Lord, restoration in their lives. And Lord, I pray for, for people today that um, if they don't know you, God, you know, they may even right now in this moment, um, you know, reach out to you. Um, so if that is you today, Lord, I, God, I mean, sorry, if that is to you, you today, I invite you to or just respond to Jesus, to, to, to raise your hand um, and say, hey, I, I need you in my life. 
I want to start that, that journey with you. I, I really don't understand, you know, my identity. Um, so if that is you, just as our heads are bowed, I do invite you to, to raise your hand across this auditorium. God, I just want to thank you for, again, your grace, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue to, Lord, bring just healing into our hearts. And Lord, um, yeah, again, I just thank you, God, that you are a God of reconciliation. Amen. Amen. Why don't we thank Craig once more? You can go, mate. Yeah, you can go and... uh... We'll get these chairs out of the way. Um, I wanted Craig to leave so I could say something about him I knew he wouldn't feel comfortable with. But I think it's really important to recognise giants walk amongst us. You know what I mean? Like, just the fact someone that would let God do a work like that in them. And how long have you been a Christian, mate? 21 years. You know, I've just walked free and building a life in Jesus. Uh, so no matter what the start is, your, your end does not have to be the same trajectory as your beginning. There's always redemption. And, and I think we just need to recognize sometimes because, you know, obviously we come, we worship, we, you know, hang out, we have coffee. But sometimes you've got no idea the huge thing that God's done. And there would be so many stories here of just massive turnarounds that God has done. But thanks for sharing yours, Craig. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your honesty, your openness. Laura, thanks for loving him in spite of him, in spite of the camp, in spite of the camps, the the fight camps and stuff like that. Uh, It's a wonderful testimony.